who is this person I could serve and what could I bring them and how are they being um, neglected or overlooked in, in the current landscape right now? And I think that a really big part of my success was that I was doing something nobody else was doing. And I was extremely intentional about that. I wanted to be different. Hey, I'm Cassidy Brooke, a full-time equine photographer with a passion for helping other photographers create the life of their dreams. When I abruptly quit my corporate job without any idea of what I was going to do, I suddenly found myself picking up a $400 camera, downloading a free app on my iPad, and taking photos of any horse I could get in front of my camera. That little hobby sparked a six-figure business, which allows me to live life on my terms. Now, I'm here to help you grow your photography business so that you can make your wildest dreams your reality. This is the Equine Photography Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Equine Photography Podcast. Today, we have the legendary Kirsty Marie with us. Kirsty, thank you so much for being on today. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. Yes, I am like so pumped to have you here. I want to selfishly just ask you all the questions because you are, like I said, an absolute legend. And I honestly feel like from the outside looking in that you are superwoman. Like you are not just a photographer, like you are superwoman photographer. So leads me to my very first question for you. I mean, how do you manage doing so much like between you blog, everything, your Pinterest, all your social media is amazing. You're a mom, you're writing. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> um, good question. I, let's see, I started this business. It was on the side of a full-time career, right? I was working in finance. I was working a lot of hours in finance. And so I, I really consider that a blessing because from the get-go, I had to be really efficient inside of my photography business because I had so few hours to dedicate to it. So I, you know, from the beginning learned to edit very efficiently, learned, you know, to market very efficiently. And a lot of my job in my corporate career was about automating, streamlining, cutting so much work out of what needed to be done. And I just was always trying to apply that with my photography business. So, you know, like implementing softwares that would make things faster and easier. Um, I just, I never had a lot of time to waste. Um, and so I feel like Everything I've always done, I've approached it from how can this be efficient? Like, I don't want to make the same mouse click two times. If I can, I want something to do it for me. Um, so I, I think a lot of it just kind of had to, to do with that mindset of like, if I'm going to do it, what's the fastest, best way? And then also, I never want to labor in vain. And so I'm just like very prayerful about what I should be doing and what I should be pursuing and praying that, you know, the efforts that I am putting in that those would be really fruitful. And so I'm constantly looking at the return on investment of things and what is going to actually yield results and what is just a waste of time because I don't have the time to waste. Um, I think a big part of it started with outsourcing things I hate and I love so much inside of my business. I won't lie. So the first things to go were like, grocery shopping, hate it. That's going out, you know, like Instacart all day. Um, housekeeping, hate it. 
going to outsource to a housekeeper. Right. So it's like, just like looking inside of my life, like, what do I want to spend my time doing? What do I not want to spend my time doing? What is going to be more cost efficient if I hire it out? Um, and then I have that time to dedicate towards things that will have a higher return on investment type situation. So then, you know, once, once I started outsourcing, then it was easier to to start like bringing things into the business. Like I do get help for social media and I do get help, um, for a lot of the KMP learn stuff. Um, honestly, at the end of it, I won't lie. I work a lot of hours. I have always worked a lot of hours, so I'm not going to shy and say like, I work 12 hours a week. Like that's, (laughs) that is not true. I, (laughs) I just, I don't want it to be a waste of time. And so I do work a lot. I do work a lot of hours. Um, but I'm just constantly focusing on where's the best use of my resources versus somebody else's possibly. Um, if someone's better at it than me, by all means, I want to hire that out. Um, and just kind of stay focused on what's actually yielding results and, and what is going to be fruitful. Yeah. No, I love that so much. And I, you know, I've done mentor sessions with Kirsty before. She is an amazing educator. So my question for you is, you know, I kind of know like your personality just a little bit from conversations we've had. How are you okay? Like letting those things go? Because I am very much a control freak and I know it's like a, not a correct mindset for me to think, well, if I want it done right, I just have to do it. I know that's like toxic. And I know so many other people, especially photographers who are like solopreneurs and just doing it themselves. How do you let those things go and trust that they're getting done right without having your hand in everything? Yeah, I think, um, you know, for a lot of the tasks that I do let go, it's something that is a repetitive task that I just very thoroughly either wrote instructions for um, or had a process that was so easily repeatable, I could plug somebody else into. Um, and, th- and that really helps because if you're able to train somebody to do something in the exact pattern that you do it, then you can step out of that successfully. I've been so blessed by having great people that I've hired. I won't lie. I've tested out some people. It didn't work at the beginning. And I went, I moved on to the next one. Um, so, I mean, it, that's a huge risk and there's a lot of upfront setup in any type of automation. You know what I mean? If you're setting up your CRM system, if you're setting up a a person to handle it, there is so much upfront work that comes. And so there is a risk that it's not going to work out and that you're going to have to go and train the next person. Um, so, but at the, at the end of it, I, I am not a huge perfectionist and I would just rather it be done than perfect. Um, and so for me, it's kind of like, as long as <laughs> it's like the minimum viable product, as long as we're like good, then I, I can, I can let some stuff go. And like, like I said, I started with what I hate so that it was like, easy to let it go. It's like, here, have it. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's all yours. Um, and then I went to things where if if somebody's better at it than me, then that's also easy to let go. Cause it's like, Oh, great. I don't have to do it. And it's better than I could do it anyway. Um, so it just kind of, it started really small and just, you know, kind of keeps growing. And then the more that I want to do, the more that I have to let go of. Um, and so just kind of keeping that perspective perspective and, um, yeah, hiring the right people on your team is critical. 
Yeah, totally. So what are the things, I mean, obviously the actual shooting, what are the things that you would like never let go of your absolute favorite parts of your business that you get to do and you will, will always be like your tasks? Yeah. Um, I, I really love the marketing. I mean, all things marketing Kirsty Marie is me. Mm-hmm. Any Instagram post, I've never even scheduled one. Like if you see an Instagram post, that was me in the moment. Like I'm, I'm there, I'm behind it. Um, it's just the marketing of it is something I have loved tremendously. Um, and so that's something I don't want to let go of just because it's genuinely something I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the marketing from the, from the top of it to the bottom. Now, um, there are other parts of it that if it's repetitive, you know what I mean? Like if it's posting from the blog to Pinterest or something like that, that is pretty mindless and anybody can do that's stuff that I can let go of. Um, but let's see, I mean, obviously the shooting, um, and I outsource all my black backgrounds and there have been times when I'm busy that I outsource all my Lightroom edits too. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that is a repeatable process for me. Totally. Um, the final edits, I, I always am curating like the final gallery before I'm uploading it and sending it out. Um, the client communication, I want to have complete control of, like, I want to be the only person communicating with my client and making sure that I've answered all their questions, like leading up to the session and everything like that. But, you know, the things that I'm outsourcing, like I'm just a horrible graphic designer. So I have a couple of graphic designers that I send things out to, you know, um, or if it's a very repetitive process, I'm, I'm trying to hire that out, um, and get that going as well, or, um, yeah, stuff like that. But in terms of things I really, really love, you know, obviously the shooting for the most part, the editing, um, all the client communications and so much of the marketing I keep in my corner just because it, I'm really passionate about it. Yeah. I love that. Which kind of leads me into my next question. I mean, you are absolutely amazing at marketing. And when I very first started out as a photographer, I remember I got to do a mentor session with you over Skype and we talked a lot about marketing and I feel like that's something that so many people are missing out on. They think that being a photographer is just like, if you take good pictures, you're going to book a ton of people, but that is like just such a false notion, you know, like the whole, if you build it, they will come like, it's just so (laughs) incorrect. So do you think like your marketing abilities has had a huge impact on like the amazing success you've had? Is there one like huge factor you feel like has been, you know, the most impactful on the success that you've had as a photographer? Um, I mean, how many answers do I get? Cause number one, without a doubt, number one, without a doubt is, I mean, the Lord's provision for me in this business from the very, very beginning, I've just been so prayerful that, um, that I'm not laboring in vain, that I'm doing everything for the kingdom, that I'm not trying to build my empire. I'm trying to sow into the kingdom of God, um, that I just, I want to love my clients as well as I possibly can. I want to share the gospel in every situation that I can. And I, I don't want any of this for me. I don't want my own glory. Like I want to reflect that all that back on God. So I feel like without a doubt, if there's any form of success, I completely attribute that to the provision of God. Um, so like Jesus, number one, far and away, I his way up here, everything else is like, (laughs) 
It's one through 10. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, I think at the, at the beginning, you know, when I was drawing up this idea, um, it really was in a marketing class, my senior year of college, where I felt like there was a gap, there was a hole in the market. And I wanted to bring something completely different to the industry. And that was my drive from the beginning. So I was sitting in that marketing class and I was learning about all these other companies and how they were leveraging different marketing strategies and, and what agencies do and you know how they really approach demographics and messaging. And um, it was an upper level marketing class. So it was, it was pretty far down rabbit holes. Um, but the whole entire time I was just like, inserting myself into the textbook, like, um, like who, who is this person I could serve and what could I bring them and how are they being, um, neglected or overlooked in, in the current landscape right now. And I think that a really big part of my success was that I was doing something nobody else was doing. And I was extremely intentional about that. I wanted to be different, really different. In many aspects, I wanted to be the opposite of what was currently available. Um, And I wanted that to be my differentiating factor. Um, I wanted that to be the real drive behind my marketing and my positioning, how I could position myself within this industry. Because were there other equine photographers? Hundreds, thousands. I'm in Texas. I can throw a rock and hit 15 of them. Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, is the market oversaturated? No. And it was, there were, it was big back then and it's big right now, you know? Um, so I, I think there was a portion of, of that success was my drive to be different. I wasn't trying to um, assimilate or, you know, like, like just mold. clone exactly clone yeah. what else was out there and be like um you know here I am hire me it I really was trying to um, build something really different really new I I also um would say I have always approached this as a business and I and I do think that helps in um building it as a business. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, I've, I've always taken the accounting seriously. I've always looked at the health of my business financially. I've always done all the bookkeeping. That's another thing I'll probably never outsource is the bookkeeping. Um, I thoroughly enjoy it. I want to be inside every number, you know, every line item. I want to know what it is, what it was for and how it's going to yield me more revenue. Um, so, you know, the finances of my business, I'm, I'm all up and down that, you know, I come from finance. I had a degree in finance. I was in asset management. I really, really love that in terms of the business building, but I, I treated my business seriously. I marketed it seriously. I priced it seriously from day one, from the get-go. Um, and so I think those are all things that have like, um, yeah, just, I'm trying to not use the word success, but, um, it has gotten you to the position that you're at now. And yeah, yeah. It, it yielded, it yielded the results. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. So obviously you've really mastered, you know, I think so many people get into photography and equine photography, especially because they're like, Oh, I love horses and I have a camera. I kind of like taking pictures with it. But the thing that I've realized the longer I've gone into this is 
it's not so much about the horses and the camera. It's about taking it seriously. Like when I first started, I was like, this is a cute, you know, I quit my full-time corporate job. I had a $400 Nikon that I had no idea how to use. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of cute. Like maybe I can like take some pictures and make a little extra money until I figure out what I'm going to do. And then I realized like, Oh, if like, I want this to be a business, I have to treat it as a business before it even is maybe a real, you know, like legitimate business as far as like what numbers would be. So I think that's, you know, huge to hear from you just saying like you treated it as a business right from the start and didn't treat it like some cute little hobby thing that you were like, maybe going to do, maybe not. I see so many people that aren't really committed. They like, you know, will post like one picture and it doesn't get a lot of likes. So then they're like, oh, I don't think I really want to be an equine photographer. You know, I think that like level of commitment I'm hearing from you is just, you know, I think that shouldn't be overlooked by people, but obviously this industry and any sort of, you know, creative entrepreneurship has highs and lows that come with it. You know, how do you, how have you navigated that and handled that through your career so far? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Cause, um, the highs are really high and the lows are really low and it's, it's difficult to separate yourself from your work when you're creative. Um, that is something I mean, personally, I've always kind of looked at myself more as a business person than as an artist or as a creative. And so I can kind of divorce myself from the art a little bit. And if somebody hates a picture, it, it, it sometimes hurts me very, very personally. Um, but for, for the most part, um, I, I do try to divorce myself as much as I can um, from, from the art, not becoming the art, um, because it's it, it, it's your baby, like it's your creation and you want everybody to love it and you want everybody to receive it well. Um, and so I, I think the biggest thing for me is really um, trying to know my identity and who I am that is completely separate from this business <laughs> um, so that when I'm on a winning streak, because I feel like in, in my career, uh, the wins come in streaks and the losses come in streaks. And that's why the lows get low is because it's not like one big thing happened. It's like 10 big things happened back to back. And you're just like, can the world stop hitting me in the knees? Like that momentum um, is so strong in either direction. Yes, it's yes. like no joke. The momentum exactly. fully built up either direction. Exactly. And so it's like, you know, the wins, they keep coming and it's like, you know, you book a client, you get a cover, you get published, you get another client, you're on this upward trajectory. Right. And and it's like, wow, I'm invincible. And, and the big, big, big thing is, is not letting that high define me, not saying this is who I am. This is my identity that I am successful because of X, Y, Z. Like if you let the highs build your actual self-esteem up, those lows are going to <laughs> annihilate you. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not letting the highs lift you up and it's not letting the lows cut you down, right? It is trying to find a source of identity that is outside of this so that the tides can rise and they can fall and you're unaffected by it. it 
it, it doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change your worth. It doesn't change your value. It doesn't change what you bring to this world because when my losses come in streaks, I mean, it will be tough sessions, tough, tough clients, a lot of rejection. I mean, and, and like I said, they all come in series. It, it, it always feels like any one of these items is water off a duck's back, right? Any one thing I could handle, no problem. But all of a sudden it's 10 or 12 of them. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> we can stop now. I get it. I get the message, <laughs> chill. <laughs> this is my white flag. Like I'm wounded. <laughs> um, so, so I think, you know, when, when you're an entrepreneur in general, like the, the, the tides are, are going to change like that. And like you said, the momentum in either direction tends to, tends to come hard. Um, and when you're a creative entrepreneur, I feel like it is amplified just because you are, it is naturally easy to tie yourself to the work and to feel your identity inside of your creation and to, to feel like I made this, this is my baby. Um, and so I think um, it's just really, really important to, to stand on a solid foundation um, so that you can weather the storm in the good and the bad and to not let the winds add to your, um, you know, personal narrative at all and to not let the losses add to that narrative either. Yeah. How, you know, when you've been in that downward spiral, when all the momentum seems to be going in the wrong way, how have you navigated not just being like, I throw in the towel, I give up. And how have you set yourself back on that positive momentum where things are moving in the direction that you actually want them to? Yeah. I think there's a few things. I remember one really serious, I'm going to close up shop moment. One really serious, this is not worth it. Um, And all of the others, I've been in the game long enough to know it's a season and it'll be over. Like just weather the storm, like it'll stop raining. (laughs) You know, I've, I've been through it enough to know like, it's gonna change. It's gonna go upwards. Um, so, so there's a there's a couple things of just like not wanting to throw in the towel. Um, first is you you have to have such a strong why about why you started, and that's something that you're standing on, right? So that um, you know why you're doing this, and you have a purpose that's a lot larger than yourself. Because uh, then it's re- it is significantly easier if you have your eye on the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, if you have your eye on the end goal, the prize, then you can kind of take those hits um, as they're coming and not feel so dissuaded by them or, you know, knocked off your path or anything like that. Um, so, I mean, I, I let myself pout too. Like, you know, if, if an email hits me in the gut and you know what I mean? Or I get a phone call and it, my stomach drops, like, I give myself time to pout. I think the the big thing is, is like, you can visit those feelings, but don't live there. Like I get my five minutes. I get my one to three people who are really safe. I get to complain. I get to just like cry. I get to be, you know, I get to, I get to feel that emotion. Let it out. Like, okay, done over. We ain't living there. Like, you know, we're going to look at the really small wins or, you know, we're going to find something else to focus on, or I'm going to go back to the reason that I do this, or I know it only takes one really great session to pull me out of this funk. 
Um, but I don't dwell there. I don't live there. Like I'll let myself visit that place. I'll get sad. I'll pout. I'll have my five minutes. And then it's like, okay, we're done. We're over it. We're not going to bring it up again. Uh, you know, if it's something that's really bothering me, I'm going to kind of try to get to the very bottom of it. Like, why does that bother me? Uh, give to Jesus and then get over it. Like move on. Yeah. Carry on. Pick my head up. Um, but I don't try to not feel it. I'm not afraid of those feelings. Um, I'm not trying to stuff it. I'm not trying to, um, you know, ignore it. Um, I let myself go through that grieve. If I need to grieve, cry, if I need to cry, um, be humiliated if I need to be humiliated. Uh, and then it's like, okay, on to the next one. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's so important. And I think a lot of people try to not feel the feelings and like shove it down and pretend it's not happening, but there is an element of it does hurt. You know, if you really wanted to book somebody and they decide not to book with you or you had 10 inquiries and then nobody wants to, you know, then nobody ends up actually following through. Like there is that element and it is okay to, you know, let it hurt for a second. It's great to hear like you, you know, say that same thing and kind of like reaffirm that. So I absolutely love all of like the educating you do for other photographers. You have amazing courses that I've very much enjoyed myself. I loved your like recent blog posts all about mindset. Do you ever fear the criticism that comes with being so open and sharing so many personal thoughts and, you know, being so vulnerable to the internet? Do you worry about that changing your image does it you know impact you in any way when you hit posts on that type of blog post um yes and no it I had been trying to articulate my thoughts on mindset for probably two years before I posted that so yes in the sense that I wanted to make sure what I said was really thought through um, and was really honest and was really true. And I had been pretty prayerful about what to share and what not to share. And I felt like I was being led to share what I did share. Um, and there's been, a, there's been a few very vulnerable posts or, um, controversial posts, not just on KMP Learn, but even on Kirstie Marie that I have put out there that came with a lot of heaviness in my heart of like, this has been on my mind for a very long time. I'm not, I'm not very, um, I try not to be like super quick to, to post something like that because I do want to be mindful. I do want to be prayerful. I do want to be considerate of other people's feelings and how it'll be um, picked up by them. Um, so yes and no. When I am to the point that it is like, okay, here is the rock that I stand on. Here's what I believe. Here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I feel called to say, led to say you know, after the hitting of post, then I'm pretty solid because I'm like, I do feel confident in that content. You know, if it was controversial, if it was personal, if it was whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at that point because I have put so much thought and effort into the preparation of it um, and into the messaging of it. And I had sent that to a lot of close friends and I'd gotten a lot of feedback on it. Um, So, so kind of yes and no, to your point, I, I, not that I have like a worry about it, but I do have a lot of care in sometimes more, I want to be careful about the messaging of some things um, and the way it might be perceived or the way it comes across, or if it is controversial, 
about hurting people's feelings or just being misunderstood. I mean, cause that's a big part of communicating is I can, I can, I can try to articulate something to the best of my ability, but how that lands on somebody else could be completely misconstrued, like so far off the mark of how I intended for it to be. And so that's a really big thing that I'm, I'm trying to take into consideration too, is that, you know, I'm, I'm coming from this angle because of my life experiences, because of my heart, and it can be read in such a completely different tone from somebody else with a different life experience that I had absolutely no intention towards, you know? So I, I think, like I said, by the time I hit post, I'm pretty confident. I'm certainly open to feedback, um, and discussion and, um, I'm, I'm, you know, willing to dive deeper into, into conversation and whatnot, but, um, but I do try to be very considerate of, both what I'm saying, why I'm saying it and the audience who's receiving it. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. And so much with the internet now, like everything is lost in translation. And I've used to on my previous Instagram account that was deleted. I talked, you know, a lot about how I struggled with panic, panic attacks and anxiety and just, you know, how I wasn't willing to take medication for it. And I went to a lot of therapy and did a lot of mindset work. And there were a lot of you know, there is that just like people get that charged energy when you talk about mindset or anxiety or something like not being willing to take medication for stuff. So it is, you know, it's intimidating to put yourself out there like that, especially on a topic as personal as sharing your mindset. So I really, you know, like commend you for that and appreciate it because a lot of the stuff that you, you know, put in those mindset blogs, I'm like, wow, I've really, you know, felt that way. Or it's, you know, it's just, it's the, like, not that misery loves company because I don't want anybody else to feel misery, but like knowing somebody else who's further along than you and whose, you know, shoes you like want to see how they've lived their life to say things like that. Like, I just think that's really powerful. And I just really wanted to like, thank you for being so open and sharing stuff like that. Cause I think you're helping a lot of people and, you know, some people might not be saying it, but I just wanted you to know that I think that's really powerful that you're so open about mindset and everything. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. No, I am. Um, I'm sorry. You've experienced a lot of pushback on that subject in the past. Um, that's not, that's not a fun feeling when you feel personally attacked by people after trying to be vulnerable. Um, so I'm sorry that I'm really sorry that you felt that, but I do, I really hope, um, when I am putting stuff out there that it is, um, you know, somebody is going to, feel empowered by it, um, encouraged by it or motivated by it. Yeah. That's definitely how I've navigated it. I just think, okay, well, if 10 people hated it, but one person it, you know, either changed their life or they didn't give up on a dream because they had something, then it was all worth it. You know, because those 10 people were going to be miserable either way. They were going to be angry regardless of if it was my post or their Starbucks order wasn't right. Or somebody cut them off. They were going to be mad. Uh They were mad before you. They're going to be mad after you. Exactly. Wait, that's what yeah. they do. A hundred percent. I just chose to take it out on me and I feel like I'm yeah. not a person to handle it. <laughs> so you obviously have this incredible brand behind you. I feel like there's not a single person in like the horse world who does not know who Kirsty Marie is. But let's say all of that was wiped away and you were at your corporate job, but you were about to quit and start over. If you were completely starting from scratch today, what would be the first three moves you would make 
to get yourself back to, you know, where you're at now without having that all behind you? Yeah. Um, do I have the skill or do I need to learn the skill? You are completely like exactly where you were at when you were at your corporate job before, you know, you got it, have your whatever inexpensive camera and are starting, yeah. you know, just okay. total beginner. Sure. Um, number one portfolio I would build because, because I need to show what I'm selling. Um, so I would be, um, my first move would be to build a very intentional portfolio, something that, you know, does make me different is going to be my marketing positioning, um, inside the industry is going to be very targeted to who I want to work with and um, hopefully emotive so that those people feel it. So um, yeah, number one, I would be building, building a portfolio. Um, I think the second thing would probably be building a team of ambassadors that would probably go inside of my portfolio. I'd probably be using really recognizable faces and influential people inside of the industry. Um, The horse world is small, is very connected. And the biggest thing you're trying to do is build trust. And if trusted people trust you, that goes a long ways. If, if trusted people trust you, their word, it, it means something. Um, so I think I'd kind of be building an army of ambassadors and not, I don't mean that in like an actual, like formal sense or something like that, but I'm going to be p- putting people um, in my portfolio who are recognizable and I'm going to be um, trying to work with people inside of the industry who are very trusted. Um, I shy from the word influential just because the word influencer has been so hijacked by the social media world. But at the end of the day, truly it is the people with the strongest influence. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I'm going to try to use that word trusted because I think the faster you can gain trust, the quicker your marketing is going to be on fire. Um, Like I, I always, I looked at uh, a person with so much jealousy because they grew their business so much faster than me. But I realized, you know, it like every day um, at my corporate job, there were quotes all over the um, garage walls. And the last one that you saw when you drove out of the parking garage said, it takes 20 years to make an overnight success. And I was like, they feel like an overnight success, but I'm like, they are so trusted within this industry because they grew up there. They know everybody and absolutely everybody loves them that they popped, they propped up this business overnight because they spent 20 years being the most trusted individual inside the horse world. And so, yes, flocks of people said, you want to take my picture, take my picture. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, it felt overnight and it wasn't overnight. I realized that I was trying to build the trust that they already had because they had already built it. Like people didn't know who I was. And so that comes with a lot of apprehension and distrust, right? I'm, I'm trying to build trust quickly. So if one is my portfolio and two is my ambassadors, the ambassadors are really trying to escalate that trust as fast as I can because trusted people can be trusted. Um, and then I think I'm building an audience at that point. So, um, you know, I'm probably going to try to get featured places, um, 
for name recognition to have an audience for this to land on. I'm probably going to be building social channels, um, email marketing, no doubt, um, you know, have a presence at the horse show so that they can put a name and a face to the pictures that they're seeing. Um, yeah, those are probably my, my top first three moves if I were starting over. Oh, that's huge. I think, I feel like that, like just last, like five minutes of you talking, if people just took all of that advice could completely change, you know, I think so many people, and this is something you and I talked about because when I lost my big Instagram account, I was so worried that it was going to have this draft. Like I was like, Oh, my business is over. I have 16,000 Instagram followers and that's where everybody's booking me from. And you know what? It didn't change my business at all. It only grew because people that, you know, in real life, the barns you've already been at, like in the next week alone, I go to the same barn four times for shoes, you know, that, and I focused so hard on growing the numbers. And yes, I do think there's importance to that, especially with doing brand work and stuff and being recognized, but the actual human beings, you know, and treating them really well and, not just, you know, this is something you said to me a while ago, like really leaning into the people, your clients that you already have yes, and taking great care of them is going to go so much further. So do you feel like if you lost, you know, all your social media channels today, would your business change very much for you? I mean, obviously you would start growing them again, but would it really impact your business drastically? Not a chance, especially in, I would probably say, the next two to three years, not at all, because everything I'm doing marketing wise is so like long-term. I, f- I feel like anything I'm posting now is to book me clients three years from now. Um, so I feel like if I, if the whole internet got wiped down and I got scrubbed off the face of the planet, lost every blog post, lost my website, lost every social media channel. Um, I, I don't see that affecting me the next year, two or three. Um, totally. I, I view that as really a long, a longer term strategy. Um, and I would, I feel like I would feel the effect of that several years from now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, you know, that is so important because the vanity metrics and having, you know, well, that's why I don't stress over a caption, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I'll post it with zero caption. I'll post it with an emoji. I, I, it's, I think done is better than perfect, right? Totally. Like when you, when you have your sight on a farther horizon, it is easier to detach yourself from the vanity metric from, oh no, that performed worse or, oh no, this has to be, you know, flawless, perfect, whatever it is. <laughs> you know, if, if you are on just like a bigger mission and like I said, have, have your sight on the farther horizon, it's just easier to keep that machine going and not get caught in the weeds of, you know, trying to the minute details of everything, of everything needing to be flawless and perfect. And, you know, this is going to make or break me. Like, this is something I hear (laughs) so much from people. You know, I feel like I've seen you post about too. And this is something I will never complain about is the stupid algorithm on Instagram and people, you know, saying that's what's holding them back and Instagram just hates them and they don't, you know, and it's just that mentality. I feel like only holds people back. Yeah. Yeah. No. And again, it's kind of like, I've 
been in it uh, long enough to know that seasons too. I will go through two, three months where Instagram absolutely hates me. doesn't show my stuff to anybody. Mm-hmm. And I know if I wait long enough, if I'm consistent long, like I just keep posting, like, I yeah. don't care that like everything is plummeting, that nothing is getting the reach it used to that uh, blah, 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 blah. Right. I like stay the course, keep going. And I know, you know, two months, three months, six months, it'll turn around. It did in the past and it's going to do it again. And even if it doesn't, whatever, like it was free. They owed me nothing. I am planting my real, like, you know, this on their real estate. Like what any, never in the history of the world has it been easier to run a business and get in front of an audience, a worldwide global audience than it is right now. And by God, we are so the benefactor, like we beneficiaries of all of this, like they owe us nothing. And so to complain that I used to have X, Y, Z reach, and now I have X, Y, Z reach, like both of it was a gift. (laughs) Reaching one person is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, like how could I be upset with them for shadow banning me or blacklisting me or you know what I mean xyz or or even on your case deleting you I mean be as mad as you want to but they that was in their terms and conditions like they didn't owe you an explanation a hundred percent and you know you were building your shop on their real estate and they bulldozed it and said see you later and it's like to you know anyway I I it it is I don't get personally frustrated when I see people complaining, but I'm just like, <laughs> you have a weak argument. Yes. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you have a weak argument um, complaining about what a gift you've been given. Yes, totally. It's so funny because I go, you know, I travel to Florida quite a bit for shoots and I, that's where I'm from. So I get to go visit my grandparents when I go down there and you know, talking to older generations, I feel like is one of the most impactful things you can do to realize how blessed we are right now, because, you know, just explaining to my grandparents, like, oh yeah, I book photo shoots that are 10 hours away from my house because on the Instagram app, people can find me and I then get to come down here. And I have this business that I love because of this app that has allowed me to connect with people. And that's something that they did not have the opportunity to do, you know? Like no business owner in the history of the world. I mean, first of all, you're paying for every advertisement. Like if you want to spot yellow pages, I mean, if you want this bag, yeah, 10 characters in the yellow pages, you're paying for every advertisement you come across, every magazine, every billboard, every white page or yellow page listing. You know what I mean? Like, like there was no free advertisement. Um, and so, yeah, just, just the ability, like the, the global audience that you have at your fingertips is an unprecedented, I hate that word now, <laughs> post-COVID, but truly really an unprecedented reality um, as a business owner of the opportunity that you have at the moment. Oh, 100%. We are, I mean, just so lucky to be alive in this time. Like I, whenever I feel frustrated about something in, my business, I just think back like, man, if I was born 50 years ago, I would probably be working at like a bank or still in some gray cubicle, you know? And because I am born in the time I am, it's amazing that I have all these opportunities. So I just have a few more questions for you. I want to be of your time. How this is something I feel like if I don't ask you, people would be bummed about because it's one of the most common things I hear when I talk to other photographers is this 
fear when delivering a session to a client that they are not going to love their images that, you know, you've looked at the pictures and you just don't love that session. You know, maybe the course was horrible the whole time. Maybe you, you know, the person was super uncomfortable, super awkward, and you just couldn't get the right feel for it. How do you navigate that? Do you still have that fear at this point that your clients are not going to love their images? When you click send on an album, are you just like, oh, I know they love every Mm. single picture? (laughs) No, (laughs) that is the farthest from the truth. Um, Yeah. Okay. I, I will, gosh, I have a lot of answers to this. Um, Okay. If it, so much of it truly, truly comes down to how well I connected with that person and their horse. And sometimes I need some distance. I'm not going to lie. If the session went not well, and if I really did not connect with that person or that horse was really naughty and I'm still recovering from the trauma, um, sometimes I need a minute before I go back to those pictures and I look at them. And what's so funny, funny, I say that word, some of my absolute best work is from sessions that I had a very difficult time at. And I have problems showing those pictures because I'm so emotionally connected to what happened at that session. If I was treated very poorly or if it, if I got like completely side railed or X, Y, Z, right? Like some of my literal best work that is not currently in my portfolio is because I have such a bad taste in my mouth from the people that I was working with or what happened at that shoot. I get I get really emotionally attached um, to these pictures. And so if I had a really bad experience, sometimes I need a second before I, I go look at those pictures. Sometimes I need to like <laughs> have a conversation with Jesus uh, before I go and edit those pictures. Um, so there's like, and sometimes it was a bad experience, but the pictures are great and you know, the conditions were really good. And so I just, need to get over myself, uh, and, and put my pride aside and deliver that with confidence and say, I would really love to never work with you again. Here are your pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Don't actually Um, say that, but (laughs) (laughs) I never want to experience that again. Um, I've had some bad sessions y'all like bad sessions. Um, and then sometimes I, I love the kid. I love the horse. The conditions were horrible. And so I truly don't feel like these images um, fit my portfolio. And I'm really like sad about it. I'm like sad that I can't deliver to them what I had hoped for. So I am, I am really attached to these. I really love this person. I really wish because of X, Y, Z, I could have changed something and I send that whole gallery to Jake and I make him go through every single picture and I make him approve, um, you know, kind of quality control over that and make sure, you know, that that color correction looks okay. That edit looks okay. Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? Um, you know, and I'm bracing myself as I hit send and I don't love the pictures. And the longer that I'm in this game, I'm realizing, you know, I do probably 150 sessions a year. They're not all home runs this person does not see 150 sessions a year, right? They do not like they, they are going to be thrilled with an image that is in what I I consider subpar or below the quality that I would like to be producing. Um, So 
so I, you know, it, the longer that I'm in this game, the, the more I realize I am perhaps believing something that is completely untrue. I have a narrative in my head that I am putting there that is not their experience, their truth, their anything, right? They're going to look at a picture of their horse with so much more love and grace than I am going to. And so I, I, there are so many times where, you know, I close my eyes and press send and say a really, really big prayer that, um, they're going to love these images. And I can't tell you how many times those are some of my best clients who rebook me 10,000 times. When I tell you their first session was not what I wanted. Um, and hopefully session two, three, eight, nine, um, I was able to knock it out of the ballpark for them. Um, I was able to redeem myself and, and feel prouder of the work. Um, but I've, I've really understood that how they look at an image and how I look at an image are two very different things. And that goes the other way. Some people cannot see themselves in a good light. They have self-talk, self, you know, image issues where I am infinitely proud of my best picture. I post it and they DM me, take that off right now. And I'm like, what doesn't that just kill you because because I'm like you are gorgeous you are perfect you are flawed this is this is the greatest picture I have ever taken (laughs) and they are you know what I mean so I will tell you that goes both ways yeah I can truly love a session and get very poor feedback about it or am asked to take the blog post down or I'm asked to take the Instagram post down and that's a dagger to the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's just understanding, you know, what's going on in my head isn't necessarily what's going on in their head um, on either side. If I love the picture, it doesn't mean they're going to love the picture. If I hate the picture, it doesn't mean they're going to hate the picture. Um, so it's really just trying, again, to divorce yourself from the work, to not be affected by their words, to love and serve them the absolute best I can. Um, I pray for those galleries so much. I, I want them to see themselves as beautifully, wonderfully, you know, and fearfully created in the image of God. And, and so there, yeah, there's a lot to unpack from that, but don't think I am immune from being scared to press send, um, or being scared to open the reply email. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, yes, most of the time it's, I'm crying. I love it. This is amazing. But let me tell you that it's, it's not always I'm, I'm crying. I be crying for another reason. No. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, in, in no way am I immune to those feelings. Um, that is a universally shared experience. Yeah. We all, we all get to be uh, a part of in this business. hundred <laughs> percent. And I think, you know, something that I personally feel is those people who I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is the most beautiful human I've ever seen. This yes. is the, my favorite picture of all time. Yep. And they are usually the ones who pick themselves apart yes. the most. And it's very easy to tell yourself, well, Oh, that's my fault. I shouldn't have posed them that way. Oh, I didn't edit it right. But just like you're saying, the truth is that the story they have in their head is mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that story about themselves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's just nothing we can do as a photographer to mm-hmm. make somebody see them like we see them. Yes. A thousand yeah. percent. 
a very, yeah, that's definitely a challenge, but it's, you know, great to hear. Kirsty, one last question where then we're going to do rapid fire, super quick, short okay. answer questions. Do you ever, I mean, we talked about in the beginning, you work a ton of hours. Do you ever clock out? Do you ever take a day where you're not checking a single email? You're not replying to anyone on Instagram. Do you take a break from the demands of running a business? Be honest. Rarely. Yeah. I thought that. Yes, I do. Um, but rarely. I mean, Sabbathing is uh, something I struggle with. Every year it's a goal of mine. Every year I'm learning something new about it. Um, I rarely take a break from this work and I need to I mean at the end of it it's like truly a sin it's truly idolatry it's truly thinking this business can't run without me when it 10,000% is sustainable without me um so I am working on it candidly I am not good at it it is one of my biggest struggles so uh Okay, I do take well, breaks. They're small, they're small breaks. Yeah. I, I need to learn. I'm, t I'm learning to take bigger breaks. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. Uh, that's definitely been one of my biggest struggle is never turning off. And I always say, I'm not going to check an email on Sunday. I'm not going to post on Instagram. And then I've made like 57 reels and I've answered a hundred emails and I'm like, well, oops, but Hey, we're not, we're not perfect. There's stuff for every <laughs> single person to work on, no matter what level they're at. All right. I've got rapid fire questions for you in okay. one sentence or less. <clears throat> oh boy. Okay. Number one, your favorite shoot you've ever done. My first shoot with the Compton Cowboys. I hundred percent knew that was going to be it. I, in my mind, I was like, it's going to be Compton Cowboys. I had this total yep. feeling for that. Yep. Your favorite horse coat color to photograph. Gray. Spring or fall sessions. Right now in March of 2022, are you loving Instagram or TikTok more? Instagram. Sunrise or sunset sessions? Sunset. Buy the new lens or buy the new camera? Both. Yellow. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Awesome. Well, Kirsty, I cannot thank you enough for this. This was an amazing interview. I think you have, you know, you're going to be able to help so many people with your words. And I just want to, you know, thank you again for everything that you've helped me with and all of your, you know, content that you're putting out, your courses, everything you do for other photographers. You are absolutely amazing. You are superwoman in my eyes. You're so kind. I think you're superwoman. Not Thank you for having me. I really, really, really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We are hopping off and I hope you guys enjoyed this interview with the absolute legend, Kirsty Marie. Hey, I'm Cassidy Brooke, a full-time equine photographer with a passion for helping other photographers create the life of their dreams. When I abruptly quit my corporate job without any idea of what I was going to do, I suddenly found myself picking up a $400 camera, downloading a free app on my iPad, and taking photos of any horse I could get in front of my camera. That little hobby sparked a six-figure business, which allows me to live life on my terms. Now, I'm here to help you grow your photography business so that you can make your wildest dreams your reality. This is the Equine Photography Podcast.